I'm the little uh, heavier version of Pastor Matt here, but it's good to be with you, and uh, what a task that I have this morning. If you've ever seen the uh, hot dog eating contests where you have to eat the most hot dogs in the shortest amount of time, I feel like I've got to get the most information in in the shortest amount of time. And so in order to do that, we definitely need to, uh, we need to pray. But before we do, I also want to give you just a, a really, I'd like to say gentle, but it's anything but gentle, a reminder to get out and vote. Take God's word and look through the lens of God's word at your candidate and vote who holds the most Judeo-Christian principles there are. They don't have to be born again. But you can't even say sometimes vote your conscience because <laughs> that's not a good place sometimes. Look through God's word and vote, uh, and ask the Holy Spirit who to vote for. Um, in the rest of that, Pastor Matt would address you. I'm here to just uh, back up what we all need to do. So let's pray. Let's pray now for the word. Let's pray for the upcoming elections. Heavenly Father, you don't need any man or woman but you do use them. And so we cry out to you on behalf of America. We cry out to you on behalf of New York State. Holy Spirit, don't give us what we deserve. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on the fine men and women in New York State that look to you every day and across this country. Heavenly Father, we ask you to intervene in the affairs of man and to have your way throughout this country. Spirit of God, we are looking to you to do what no man can do. And Father God, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We, we thank you that you gave us a mind and we thank you that you've given us a, a will and intelligence, but we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have your way through us. And Lord, even the word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word. Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation of the knowledge of Jesus. Open the eyes of our understanding and help us to see what you would have us to see in the word this morning. Again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I got to tell you, I am excited because looking out, I'm like looking at a whole new congregation. So many of you I don't know, and it's wonderful. And, uh, and probably so many of you don't know me, and that's wonderful too. Uh, I've been here since 1988. There's a few others that succeed me. Uh, but I've been here pastoring since 1988, uh, 95 to 2018 as the senior. And now I have the distinct pleasure to... Uh, uh, back Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy, just to help in any way that I can. Um, and so what a privilege and what an honor it is to do that. It's just th those two are beyond amazing. Um, and uh, I hope, um, Teresa, are you able to stay awake this morning? I know you've got a significant birthday today. Okay. 
She turned 60 today. There you have it. Oh, God, forgive me for lying. She, you're never supposed to say what a woman's age is, but she posted it online. So you can ask her uh, what her birthday is. But the years have been kind to you, Therese. That's for sure. So listen, let's get started right here. I want you to think of a time when something very notable happened to you, a blessing that brought you tremendous joy and excitement. Just think, think of that for a moment, a very notable moment where, where you just got an incredible blessing. I mean, maybe you got a phone call congratulating you on being hired for that dream job or, or your dream house or your dream apartment. It's like, hey, it's yours. Uh, someone surprised you with a gift. that It just blew you away. Or maybe that hope that's been deferred for years and years and years just manifested. Or you won that $1.9 billion Powerball. <laughs> now, in almost all of these six instances, there's probably a common um, uh, reaction that would happen. And that is, except maybe for the last one, and that is you would probably go tell someone, hey, I got to tell you what just happened to me. You know, someone gave me a car, or I just got that promotion, or I, I just met a special person, or, or you know, uh, you know I, I just got healed. Or In almost every instance when something of note and worth happens, wouldn't you all say that you would probably share it with someone? That's right. You'd say to yourself, this good news is not worth keeping to myself. I've got to share it. And I've got to let you in on a little secret here. Oftentimes when I worship and I'm raising my hands, I'm not always singing the words to the song on the screen. Sometimes I'm just in my own world saying, Father, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me. I am just overwhelmed. I cannot thank you enough for what you've done for me. Much of, how I appre- uh, much of how I worship the Lord is, is really through very sincere appreciation for what he's done for me. I'm very aware of what the Lord has done for me. And so uh, that's how I worship him most of the time. Now, if we were to do a word association, what comes to mind when you think Pastor Matt? What word? What is it? Joy. Joy. And my word association would be appreciation. Thanksgiving, grateful. And so I endeavor to live daily with a thankful, grateful heart. And what follows out of that, because I'm so grateful and so thankful for what the Lord has done, what follows that is I want to share Jesus with anyone and everyone that was as lost as I was, that is as lost as I was lost. Because I'm so thankful and I know what he's done for me and I understand to the best of my ability the sacrifice that he made, what naturally follows, and I'm not an evangelist, but what naturally follows because of thanksgiving and appreciation is I want to share my faith. Now, I did what Pastor Matt suggested we do the other day. He said, look, you got to get your testimony down to 100 words or less and and make it quick. And so I did that. And so here's my testimony. How many of you haven't heard my testimony? 
Ah, there's a lot of you. All right. All right, well, then maybe I'll lengthen this a little bit here. But it was the fall of 1973. I was going to Hudson Valley Community College. Can you believe that? 50 years ago, I was going to college. That was the third one I went to. A student in my apartment building in downtown Troy, 4th Street to be exact, uh, Little Italy, I might add that. See, now I'm expanding this now. Uh, struck up a conversation with me. A stranger struck up a conversation with me and began to share the importance of being born again. That's what we call witnessing. This person witnessed to me. And my initial reaction was very antagonistic. And, and I had a very smug attitude toward that, owing in part to bartending that summer before in a biker bar and continuing to bartend on uh, nights and weekends as well. Uh, when they told me that I must be born again, that's not what I wanted to hear. And uh, I made that perfectly clear. But you see, God's word is a living seed. It's a living seed. It's more powerful than that seed sometimes that falls into the crevice of a rock and a tree starts to grow out of a boulder. God's word is a living seed. And in reality, when this student sowed God's word into my spirit, it immediately started to flourish and produce. Un unbeknownst to me, the Holy Spirit was drawing me near to committing my life to Christ from the day the living word was sown into my heart. Over the weeks, I found myself more receptive to this person sharing the Bible. And, uh, and when I was invited, I actually went to a home fellowship and Bible study. I thought they were all nuts, but I went there and I continued despite my objections and my pride thinking I knew, I, I know what the Bible says. I never read the Bible in my life. But despite my objections, I found myself being drawn closer to the Lord. You see, God's word unearthed the childhood longing in me to be closer to God. A longing that the burden of sin had long since buried and I will never forget that life-changing Monday afternoon. I had this overwhelming desire to check out Prospect Park near Hudson Valley Community College. And it was there that I was alone and in a moment of divine encouragement, I felt this inspiration to pray and to do what this person had said, this is what you need to do to get born again. Out of the blue, this thought came to me. Hey, why don't you ask Jesus into your heart? And you know, God even supplies faith for us to get saved. And so when, when that thought uh, was, was shot into my head, my heart said, yeah, I'm going to do that. I will never forget. I, I, I was alone in the park and I said, now, now Jesus, I hear I'm talking to my, I'm talking. I don't care who's looking. Although I looked around, there really weren't, wasn't anybody there. But I, I said, now Jesus, some people say you're God and some people say you're the son of God. I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, come into my life right now. And I meant that with all my heart. Bam! It's like somebody punched me. I fell to the ground and I started weeping and weeping and weeping. I would never do that in public in a million years. And when the tears stopped flowing, I realized that they were not tears of sorrow. They were tears of joy. For the first 
time in years, I felt clean. The Lord Jesus cleansed me of sin right then and there. And I'm going to explain in a few moments here. He forgave me of all my sins, past, present, and future. And church, let me tell you, I carried guilt. Oh, my goodness. I used to go to confession and change my name. And, and I'd go to four or five different churches. And one time the priest said to me, Tom, do you think we don't know it's you? I cut him off. Didn't go there again. Nothing I did could get rid of the guilt and the shame, but that one moment that I said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, gone, gone, 1973, 1973, 49, is it 49 years ago, 50 years ago? How many years have I been born again? Who, what's my name? Anyway, yeah, that was Jesus. That was Jesus, the power of Jesus. You see, the gospel is good news worth sharing, and that's the sermon title this morning. This gospel is good news worth sharing. Now, it's good news worth sharing, but if you're not, if you're looking at yourself or you're looking at yourself in the mirror or you've got, if you're, you know, overwhelmed with fear, doubt, and unbelief even about yourself, I can't do that. I'm not bold enough. I'm timid. What if they reject me? Look, you, what we need to do is we need to ask the Holy Spirit to do for us what he did for Jesus. So many times we're like, oh, I want to be more like Jesus. Well, if you want to be more like Jesus, Luke 4, 18, Jesus came in and he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. That's the Amplified, Luke 4, 18. My PowerPoint is, is a whole lot different than Pastor Matt's. I'm like turning your Bibles to Luke 4, 18. That's right, turn in your Bibles. I open that Bible. I know I haven't been doing this in a while, but turning your Bibles to Luke 4, 18. That's my PowerPoint. I'm old school, baby. I use an old school day timer. I write. There you go. You can expect God to do for you what he did for Jesus. When you go out every day, when you wake up, Lord, anoint me to preach the good news. You can say, well, what about for a human even King David had this kind of confidence in, in 2 Samuel 23.1. Turn to your Bibles, 2 Samuel 23.1. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, speaks. David, the man who was raised up so high. David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks through me, David said. His words are upon my tongue. This is for us. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. His words are upon my tongue. Some of these scriptures, Hebrews 4, chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, talks about the word of God is living and active and full of power. When that student sowed that living, active, powerful word into my spirit, like this parable of the sower and the seed, it went into good ground. You never know who you're sharing the word with. 
What kind of soil is in their heart? You don't know that. But it should not stop you from sowing the word. And, and it's important that you're sensitive when you sow the word. And we're going to get into that in just a moment here. Isaiah 55.10. The New International Version says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. When God puts his word in your mouth and you say what God's word says, it's as though God is saying it. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's God's will that all men be saved and none perish. And so when this student shared God's word with me, that was God's desire that I come to him. And immediately it started to achieve the purpose that God sent it forth to achieve. Take all of the spotlight off of yourself and put it all on God. It's what he does, not what you do. It's what he does, not what you do. He spoke through a jackass. He can speak through me. It's what he does, not what I do. It's his power in this earthen vessel. It's all about what God does through these earthen vessels. Now, I do want to say to you that it's important if you're going to share Christ that you, you endeavor to be as accurate as you can be. You know, I remember when I first received Christ into my heart, I was like, oh, man, you got to give your life to Christ. You can't believe what it feels like. Well, it wasn't about feeling. It was about being forgiven. But I didn't know that. I asked Christ to come in my heart that Monday afternoon. The first thing I did, I went back to uh, where the cafeteria was. Of course, I went back to the cafeteria. And there was a kid sitting next to me, and we all had long hair. I had, the, I had hair, and it was long at the time. And, and this guy had, uh, was sitting next to me, and I'm like, hey, man, you know what I just did? He goes, what'd you do, man? I said, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. He's like, oh, man, can I do that? I said, sure, you can do that. You won't believe how you're going to feel after you do that. Well, I, I didn't know about being forgiven. I just knew about what it felt like. And this kid, right then and there, to the best of my ability, I prayed with him. He received Christ. And not anything that I did, but I just shared the gospel with whosoever would listen. One year later, we had 80 college students meeting in one year. 80. I didn't lead 80 to Christ. I led someone to Christ who 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 led someone to Christ. Or you could say back then there was such an outpouring. You could say Mary had a little lamb and she did. And people got saved. But I was so grateful. I was so grateful. And that started me on the journey that I'm still on today, trying to, uh, you know, endeavoring to understand to the best of my ability this good news. So I want to highlight a, a few things with you and then maybe give you a testimony or two. Can you explain the good news? I mean, when you think about it, if you were going to, if God was going to put someone in your path, could you explain the good news, and, and I can't do this justice in a few minutes, but I can highlight a few things here. Part of explaining the good news starts with knowing why Jesus shed his blood 
as a substitute for me, becoming a sacrifice for my sins. Now, Pastor Matt was teaching the other day, don't use Christianese. And, you know, you, you want to be careful that you don't talk about a sin substitute. And, the, you know, he was our propitiation and, and it, our expiation. And, and you know, you, 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 I, don't, I don't fully grasp all those words today. Someone who's unsaved isn't going to understand that. So you pray and you ask God to break it down as simply as you can. And the best way that I know, I mean, in, in the chapter 7, it talks about diagrams, and those diagrams are good, but, and, and that's great, or gospel tracts. Lynn and I love gospel tracts. Pick a few scriptures out, have them memorized. Sometimes you can carry a Bible with you, pull it out and show someone in the Word what it says, because the Word is powerful. The Word is powerful. Matthew 26, 26, the New Living Translation, uh, we're going to do this shortly, but Jesus, it's, it, this is written of Jesus as they were eating. Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms Another translation says fulfills, which confirms the, the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. There was a legal requirement that had to be satisfied. When God created everything, he set into motion different laws we have the law of gravity we have the law of thermodynamics we have we have different natural laws and then there were spiritual laws one of the spiritual laws says the wages of sin is death we all know that i had something here to show you the wages of sin is death how do i know that because i've got the romans road to salvation on the pen you should get one of these pens. It helps you to memorize scriptures here. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's a law. The wages of sin is death. When God created Adam and Eve, they were, they were created to live forever. When sin was found in them, when Adam sinned, his sin caused that immortal, that, that immortality to cease. And now man's days were numbered. The wages of sin are death. And because we sin, we die. Now, not just dead, buried, done with. We die. We were we're still created to be eternal beings. Even though we physically die, we continue to live on. And so the wages of sin are not just physical death, but they're spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And in order for that sentence to be, in order for that to be satisfied in the eyes of God, there had to be a sacrifice made. This is where you can go through these notes afterwards. I can't fully explain the whole thing this quickly, but I can hit on some highlights. Jesus 
became that sacrifice that satisfied the divine demands of justice. Jesus became that sacrifice. In essence, he became a substitutionary sacrifice. He died in my stead that I might live. He said, no man's taken my life. I'll voluntarily lay it down. He stepped forward and he laid it down. Jesus did that for me. He forgave me of my sins. So what I understand about this good news is that there are complete forgiveness. I have been completely forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. It's not partial forgiveness. Jesus forgave me totally. Romans 6.20 says this. New Living Translation. Turn your Bibles to Romans 6.20, please. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you're free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I was bound by sin. I was not a free man. You can argue all you want with me. You won't get anywhere. I knew the habits I had developed. I knew the difficulty it was to break them. I knew that I was bound by sin. I didn't mind admitting I was a sinner. I had a reputation to uphold. And I furthered my education to be a sinner as much as I could. But then like anything, you can have a few drinks and enjoy it. And then before you know it, you're not just having a few drinks. You become addicted. Those drinks have a hold on you. That's what sin does. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But then it takes a hold of you. I needed to be set free, but I couldn't free myself. My Savior set me free. That's good news worth repeating. That's good news worth sharing. Jesus can set you free from any bondage there is. Now, you know what? God doesn't look on the outward appearance of men. He sees the hearts. And so you and I would go, ah, you can't believe Lynn is that bad. Look, she looks, she's sweet. You have no idea. <laughs> Only God does. She doesn't miss that. You've got a break. For four years, I haven't, I haven't had to do that to you, but I just couldn't resist it. Anyway, she's a, good, she's a good wife. Good wife. 31 years, she's a good wife. But see, Jesus, I remember when I told the church one time you were a biker chick. They couldn't believe that. She wasn't, though. But anyway, uh, I tell all kinds of things about her. But anyway, now my niece Sarah, on the other hand, you don't want to go there. But anyway, uh, Jesus set us free from the power of sin and death. That's good news worth sharing. Here's another thing worth sharing, Hebrews 9.11, New Living Translation. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come and are to come. He's entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, this, we're talking about the, the, the power in the blood, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, 
He entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The New Revised Standard Version says there's no forgiveness of sins. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. But now, once for all, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. Read that. Meditate on that. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your mind. This is, this is what the good news is all about. Christ stepped forward out of the annals of eternity. He stepped forward and said, I will go. I will be a sacrifice. I will redeem mankind. I will, I will purchase them back. I will do that. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice. He was the, the unblemished lamb of God. His, he was the only one who could do that. Only God could do that. And he stepped forward. And when he allowed himself, he allowed himself to be hung on a cross. That cross was the altar of sacrifice for you and I. And I put him on that cross. My sins put Jesus on that cross. And Jesus shed his blood because only the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. That legal requirement was satisfied by Christ's shed blood. And when he and, and by believe when I believed in Jesus in 73, I believed Jesus that you died for me. It's not enough just to say I believe you died for me. Why did you die for me? Why was your blood shed for me? He died and shed his blood so my sins could be forgiven. My offenses are blotted out. As far as the east is from the west, they've been removed. They've been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. I now stand. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I can now stand before God unashamed, not guilty, not my own righteousness, but his righteousness. I can stand before God because of what he's done for me. Oh, that's good news we're sharing, church. The more we understand what God did for us, the better it's going to be for you and I. We'll be able to share intelligently the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, 
So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Oh, that's good news worth sharing. That is good news worth sharing. Paul said, how are they going to be saved if they don't hear someone? How are they going to hear someone if someone's not sent? You don't need to be an evangelist. You just need to be in love with Jesus and so thankful for what he's done. You know, some people sometimes when they share the Lord, they, they have such a tone, like a harsh tone. Hey, a dirty, rotten, foul sinner. You know, you hear him with the bullhorns screaming and stuff like that. The only time Jesus was ever harsh was with religious Pharisees. You see Jesus screaming at the woman caught in adultery? He said, woman, where are your accusers? What about the woman at the well? He said, go and call your husband. She said, sir, I have no husband. He goes, you're right. <laughs> the other five guys weren't and this one isn't. How harsh was he with her? They, Pastor Matt mentioned the other day about Zacchaeus. He wasn't just a sinner. He was a great sinner, it's recorded. And Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I got to have dinner with you tonight. Jesus wasn't harsh with the humble. But you want to get Jesus riled up? God humbles the proud and he exalts the humble. The proud, arrogant, religious, he said, you whitewashed in sepulchers, you whitewashed tombs. Jesus, he was harsh with the proud. Don't talk to me about being born again. I'm a Catholic, I'm a Protestant, I'm a Methodist, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. Now, I was like that. Don't talk to me about this stuff. I was Catholic. I'm Catholic. And I'm not slamming the Catholic church. I'm not. There are people that are in the Catholic church that are as born again as I am. Priests and nuns, just as born again as I am. I just didn't have the good pleasure to go to school. I was schooled by nuns and brothers that, my God, you'd think they went to hell every night. They were like, oh, here's the love of God. Beat the daylights out of me. You think I'm kidding you. All right, well, anybody my age, <laughs> forget about it. Yeah, listen, been there, done that. Thank God it's a whole new world. This is good news worth sharing. So why? Why? Why would Jesus... Why would Jesus voluntarily step forth, allow himself? I mean, he knew the death he was going to suffer so much so that he struggled with blood in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. The struggle between his flesh not wanting to be tortured and yet he, knowing that this is why I was born. He sweat great drops of blood in that, in that fight. Why? 
Why would God do that? Why would he leave the comfort and the, the, the purity? Can you imagine heaven is a place there is absolutely not one What's the smallest thing out there, Stephanie? A nanoparticle? Just what's the smallest thing? Not even a nanoparticle of, of sin in heaven. Why would he leave that and come here? John 3, 16 answers that. Because God so loved humankind that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We could not be part of the family of God as mortals who sin because the wages of sin are death. So we would, we would have died and been eternally separated from God had he not stepped in. God wanted a family. And the only way for God to gather this family to himself was through the sacrifice of Jesus. You, John's gospel is an incredible gospel. They called him the apostle of love, and he was. And then read all the five chapters in First John, his first letter, and then his second letter and his third letter. It'll open your eyes. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's unfathomable. How great is God's love that we should be called the children of God. This is good news worth sharing. And when you go and you share the good news, it's so important to be quick with an ear and slow with a tongue. You can't just memorize a script and that script is the same script for every person you meet. Jesus didn't say the same thing to every person. Every situation warranted a, a, a word, a specific word for them. God is a loving God. He's a kind God. Don't go off on people. Listen, listen, listen. And, and while you're at it, enjoy the journey uh, and, and watch and see what God does for you. Pastor Matt wanted us to share a, a, a couple of examples. I don't know if I, Lynn and I did this the last time, but one of the things that come to mind, you know, we seem to win more souls when we go out in our RV, and I, and I think the reason why is simply this. People are just, they're, if they're on vacation, they're a little bit more relaxed. They've slowed down a little bit. When you're, when you're going to work every single day, you know, um, Say you pull over and, and you know, you're, you're late for work. You get a blowout. You're on the side of the road. Your boss said, if you're late one more time, you're fired. So you're on the side of the road. You're almost giving yourself a heart attack trying to, to jack up the car and change the tire. And some Christian pulls up and says, God sent me here to tell you that you must be born again. It's like, hold on here, pal. You know. I'm about to get fired, and if you want to help me, why don't you help me change the tire? If we can get this tire changed fast enough, I'll be happy to listen to you, but right now, talk to the hand, because I'm about to get fired. Timing is everything. And so I think oftentimes when, when Lynn and I are on vacation, or, or well, I'm retired, semi-retired, semi-retired, when, when we go out in our RV, and oftentimes we're at a campground, because that's where we go, 
have yet to go to Walmart parking lot, but you know what? You probably find some relaxed people there too. But uh, people are generally more open when they're a little more slowed down. And we may have told you this before, but we were in Rhode Island uh, at Fisherman's, Fisherman's Lane. There was a, there's a parking lot next to a beach. Uh, your husband would love this, where they all go surfing. Fisherman's Landing, I think it's called. And anyway, Point Judith, Point Judith, Rhode Island. And, um, and so uh, we were backed up in our RV, had wraparound windows in the back, a little small Toyota, and we could look out and see the surfers. And, and we just noticed that there was a, a, um, uh, a fence next to us, and a bike was laid against that fence, which is pretty, like, that's unusual. I just kept being drawn to that bike, like, I wonder whose bike this is. It's been here for an hour or two. Somebody could steal that bike. But I kept, I was like fixated on that bike. And so um, I was in the back and, and we were going to grill up some burgers and things and, and make lunch. And all of a sudden, this young woman appears and she goes to take her, her bike away. And I'm like, is that your bike? And she said, yeah. I go, well, you know, we were concerned about it that, uh, you know, someone would steal it. Uh, she goes, oh. I was just, uh, I just, I couldn't help myself. I just took a, a hike for two or three hours, and it was a hot day. And she said, and yeah, I'm just getting back. And I said, well, hey, would you like something cold to drink? And she said, uh, you, you have something cold? I said, we got the house right here, sure. So I said, here, we got her a cold uh, bottle of water. And then uh, she said, thank you. And then as she started to go, I go, you hungry? And she goes, well, yeah, I'm hungry. I said, well, why don't you stay for lunch? We're just going to put lunch out. Well, I didn't ask Lynn. I just, and she goes, well, sure, honey, we'll get something else. So she fixed something up. And, and this girl was 22 years old, very uh, amenable, very agreeable. So we sat down. We put another chair out behind the thing, started having uh, lunch. And, and then she asked me the dreaded question. So what do you do? I tried to be inventive all my life. Well, I've got the best job in the whole universe. I'm the, finally I just said, I'm a pastor. Just get it over with, right? Because when you tell somebody on vacation you're a pastor, you're either going to be their psychiatrist and counselor for the rest of the time they're with you, or they're just going to, you know, put a nail in your tire and take off, right? So uh, I said, well, I'm a pastor. She goes, wow. Which nobody usually says that. Wow. She goes, uh, I've never talked to a pastor before. I said, well, my wife's been talking to me for years. I said, uh, she goes, uh, what kind of church do you belong to? And I said, well, uh, what kind of church do you pastor? I said, well, we pastor a, a non-denominational church. We're, we're a born-again church. She goes, I can't believe that. She goes, my roommate's born again. She's been trying to tell me about how to be born again. And I said, well, what do you think? She goes, I don't know. She goes, I got some questions. So here we are having lunch with a total stranger, and uh, she's asking question after question after question, and she's open. So if someone's open, answer their questions. And, uh, and so finally, we get to the place where I remember Billy Graham said, well, is there anything preventing you from accepting Christ right now? I quoted him. I didn't say it was Billy Graham. I just said, well, is there any reason why you wouldn't give your life to Christ right now? She goes, no, I'd like to do that. I said, well, then let's pray. And so right then and there, she prays and she asks Christ to come into her heart. And God is born again as Lynn and I are born again and you are born again. Now, 
I'm not an evangelist. We're not evangelists. But we saw a need. The girl was thirsty. We saw another need. The girl was hungry. So we gave her something to drink. We gave her something to eat. She sat down with us. And then we gave her the bread of life. And I believe we've never seen her since, but I believe we'll see her in heaven. We can tell you example after example after example. If you'll just share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know about you, but light is way more attractive to me than darkness. We were up this morning real early, <laughs> real early, and watched the sun come up. And it just, I've got pictures of it. I wish I could put it up and show you. It was magnificent. It, that sunrise was a whole lot more beautiful than it was at 4 o'clock this morning when it was dark. Light is so attractive. Darkness is not. The light of the Lord Jesus Christ is on the inside of you and I. And when we share this light, don't let the enemy lie to you. People are attracted to the light. We're salt. People like salt. People want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you and I have the privilege of serving them the bread of life. We have the gospel. We have the good news. We have what will, what will enable them to live with God forever. A place of eternal rest. How many of you know we need rest after living this life? Eternal rest as opposed to eternal damnation. Eternal rest. Let me leave you with this and then we're going to have communion. Salin and I decided to go on a trip. And we went to Italy. I haven't been there yet, but we're going to go. It's on my bucket list. In the next 30 years, we're going to go there, honey. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sometime in the next 30 years, should the Lord tarry, we'll go there. And um, um, so, you know, you got to go through customs. You show them your thing. So what brings you here? Well, I want to taste the pasta. And I want to visit Tuscany. And I want to see some of these things. And he says, okay, that's a nice and he lets us in. So, you know, we're able to be there for a couple of weeks. How long are you going to be here? A couple of weeks. Okay, that's good. And so we go in. Well, 20 years later, I never leave. I get pulled over. Zach pulls me over. He's an Italian cop. He pulls me over. And he says, hey, Mr. Sardella, uh, you're here illegally. Yeah, I know. You know what? I, I never went back. Well, you can't be here, though. Yeah, I know, but I, we got we to gotta arrest you because you were supposed to go back in two weeks. You've been here 20 years. So I get arrested. I get detained. And so I go before the judge, and he goes, you're here 20 years. I said, yeah, but I'm a nice guy. I'm Italian, Sardella. I'm Italian. He goes, I don't doubt that you're a nice guy. And I don't, you know, and you are Italian but you're not a citizen of Italy. You don't belong here. doesn't matter how nice you are. You don't belong here. You can't stay here 
because you're not a citizen. Now, some countries allow you to have dual citizenship, but some countries, if you're going to become a citizen of their country, you have to renounce U.S. citizenship. I don't know if, if you know, I mean, I can be, a, a, I can have dual citizenship my, uh, because of various reasons, but I don't want to go off on that rabbit trail, but some people can't. You have to renounce the country that you were a part of to go into another country. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We get deported because we're not a citizen of heaven. And you can't be a citizen of heaven unless your papers say that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your name only gets written in the Lamb's book of life because of the blood of the Lamb. And when you receive salvation and you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get your citizenship transferred from the dominion or the land of darkness into the dominion or the land of his beloved son. I renounced my citizenship in 1973. I don't belong there anymore. That's not my country anymore. I'm not subject to its laws and its rules. I've been, I've been transported, translated, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. I, I, now, I can go back there if I want, but I'm not a citizen of that kingdom anymore. And that's the reality of you and I giving our lives to Christ. We become new creations. We, we obtain a new citizenship. We live, by, we live according to different standards and rules that even affect how we vote. <laughs> we don't vote the way we want to vote. We vote according to what? In light of God's word. It can, it, everything is different. Old things pass away. All, all things become new. We're different creations. And that's for you. And that's for me. So I don't want to go any further before we have communion. Let's pray here for one moment. Those of you that might be listening online. Anyone in the room perhaps. And you're not certain that your citizenship is that of the king. I invite you to do what I did in 1973. I'm going to invite you right now to exchange citizenship in the kingdom of darkness and become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the way you do that is you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior and your shed blood not only purchased my salvation, but your shed blood removed the stain of my sin. Your shed blood forgave me of my sins. And I believe that you did that for me. And I believe in you, Jesus. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, it's not the words that I said. It's, it's the, 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 the heart intent of what I said. If you prayed that prayer, you just became a citizen of the kingdom of God. Your sins are forgiven past, present, 
and future. After the service, come up, talk to me, tell me, uh, hey, I prayed that prayer, I, uh, and I meant it, and we'll do whatever we can do to help you. Amen? Thank you for listening. Let's have communion together right now. Maybe, maybe this will make more sense to you. Maybe this will hit home a little bit more. Lenny, help me out here. I need a little bit of help. The hand is getting, is working better now. Thank you. First Corinthians chapter 11. Thanks, baby. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This wafer represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that hung on the cross, He became a sacrifice willingly. He allowed his body to be beaten and bruised willingly for me. Every time I take communion and I break this bread, I think of the willingness of the Lord to purchase my salvation. And then I just just come to tears and say, thank you. I couldn't save myself, Jesus. Not in a million years, but you did. Thank you. Let's break bread. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy or an indifferent, self-centered no desire to repent manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats or drinks. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have died prematurely. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Lord, we judge ourselves. God forbid that we would be indifferent or self-centered. We'd be arrogant that we would not repent of any known sin. Oh, Father. Father, forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, Lord. I would never profane your blood knowingly, Lord. What a price you paid for me to set me free. Oh God, may I never be lukewarm. May I always be willing 
with an answer on my tongue to share the good news of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm a free man today because of your shed blood. Come on, let's thank Jesus. Oh God, you're so good to us. My God, you are so good to us. Well, thank you guys for your rapt and keen attention. It's always an honor and a pleasure to share the word, to be back in this pulpit. Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy are incredible. Just before we take the offering, though, I'm remiss, and we do need to pray for them. They had quite, quite, they had a number of obstacles to overcome going out to that conference. And uh, we need to pray them back. Father God, we ask in Jesus' name that Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy would return without incident, no delays, no, nothing going wrong. God, you would get them home safely without incident to themselves or their luggage. Planes would be on time. They would get home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Allison. Come on up.